Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Out it comes to Eckland. Drives it across. Kachuk! Kachuk back on the ice for Florida. Forsling finds Bennett. Bennett, cross ice. Shot! And with that, from Verhege, his fourth career overtime winner, the Panthers are alive and well in the Stanley Cup Finals, trailing two games to one after an OT come-from-behind decision on home ice, their first-ever victory in Stanley Cup Final play. I would suggest that um, if the trend here continues, maybe Aiden Hill won't get as much money as originally anticipated in free agency. I also think, Marty, as we're going to dive into a lot of contractual numbers today, Based on what's been going on around the league and signing of defensemen, um, I could still see Vegas moving off of Aiden Hill here, but that's not the uh, that's not the primary focus of this wow. game. I think no, the I'd, primary it, focus is everybody expected a million shots by the Panthers. That didn't happen. They probably hoped that their special teams would be better. That didn't happen, and they still won the game. So now, after saying the other day that John Quick will be a three-time Cup winner. I'm about to tell you that the Golden Knights will lose this series in seven games because the only time that the Panthers have won in this series is when they had exactly two days off. So after they lose game four on Saturday, they will have exactly two days off between each of the next three games, which they will win, and they will now win in seven. So there. Well, I don't know what kind of uh, rainbows and unicorns land you live in, but this game was 2-1 up until 2 minutes and 13 seconds left. Should have been 5-1. It should have been 5-1 for Vegas. You're absolutely right. Vegas was the better team last night. Florida did show some resiliency and a bit of desperation at the end, um, but they were, again, not really threatening on Aiden Hill until very late. Uh, which they were able to get some good looks and don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, there was some, um, in tight and rebounds opportunity that, uh, uh, were laying there and Matthew Kachuk got one with 213 left in the game. Again, this is seven games that the Florida Panthers have won in overtime. They got 13 wins in the playoffs, seven of them in OT. They are seven and oh in overtime. We remember game seven against Boston with. Less than two minutes when the puck went off a leg and went to Brendan Montour and he beat Jeremy Swayman. They were dead right there. 
with the goalie pulled and they pulled themselves out of jaws of victory and they oh, no. did it again because if they go down three nothing in this series, it's over. I'm sorry, Duffer. They didn't it pull them out of the been... jaws of victory. They pulled themselves out of the jaws of death. Of defeat, of victory. death. Yes, you're right. <laughs> it's just Shayna's coming on later, so I wanted to throw one of those oh, yeah. <laughs> really like weird saying because bunch of one eighties uh, and three sixties, which yeah. yeah. So Shayna, Shayna Goldman coming up at twelve thirty, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about uh, lots of good things. Probably mostly defensemen. I think goalies. we uh, we're doing. You I, and I are doing goalies this half hour. Yeah. Um, Shayna had the audacity to suggest. The Sabres might be in the mix for a certain goalie in her latest article, and I know that won't sit well with you. So I'm going to take up- that segment off. I'm literally going to walk away. <laughs> that'll That's take okay. up at least ten minutes of her segment at the bottom of the hour. Um, I mean, good. Which, by the way, yesterday um, Darren Drager yes. was on, and we did talk about goaltenders a little bit, and he did say that the sense he's getting from the Sabres is that. Goalie is not a uh, priority right now. He's finding a top four defenseman, which mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, um, a really good sign, a really good thing that they want to start playing with more support in front of their goaltenders, right? And and that may be Devin Levi or Eric Comrie or Uko Pekalukunen or somebody that they get through trade, free agency, whatever. All I'm saying is that Granado developed the offensive identity that they wanted, mm-hmm. but always said, we're not going to worry so much about defensive and our defensive game and all of it. Not You always have to, but that's not the priority. Scoring goals is much more difficult. And I think now, by the sound of it, talking with Dregs yesterday, it's like, okay, now that we've got our identity of scoring, we can now focus on that defensive side a little bit more. Okay, that's a good tease for what's to come. I know you want to talk more about the Stanley Cup, but since we are talking about salaries and contracts and all the rest of it, I present you with this. If Brandon Montour was a free agent this summer, as opposed to next, what would he be getting on the open market based on the deals we have just seen for Gavrikov and today the never-ending deal for Severson, which is a sign-and-trade, eight-year, six-and-a-quarter. He moves from Jersey after they signed him. I think they threw an extra zero in just before they traded him. Um, just they to tried present- to fool them. They tried to fool Columbus. <laughs> we snuck in a zero in there. Suck Jeez. on that. Anyway, <laughs> so Columbus now is Severson. Uh, what do you think? Like Montour would what be getting seven and a half, eight million? That's what I was thinking. Seven and a half. So Columbus gets Severson. They got uh, Ivan Provorov. So they're trying to swing for a uh, a group of defensemen that they feel will help them. Um, I thought Damon Severson got overpaid, and you pointed out by saying they added a zero. I think he got overturned more than overpaid, but maybe yes. both. Probably. But it's funny because Gavrikov signs for a two-year deal in L.A. Yeah. And so the word around is, would more people now go for the short-term deal knowing that the cap in a couple of years is going to take a jump forward? The salary mm-hmm. cap has been staying pretty steady, growing a million a year because of the pandemic, the players having to pay back the escrow and the money loss and all of it. And we're still about a year and a half away from all of that being paid off. So next year, the cap is not going to jump $3 million, But a year Allegedly. after and in two years, it will. So yeah. a lot of players may be looking at 
sign a two-year deal and then hit it again big. But Damon Severson goes for eight years, which is against what we were just talking about 48 hours ago. Can you blame him? Well, no. When you get that money, you take it. For eight years. It's crazy. Well, this is a really thorough Stanley Cup evaluation here, seven minutes into the show. We can't get away from what we really want to talk about. But so do you think Montour is going to get extended in Florida before he ever hits UFA? I would think so. I think the way that Montour plays uh, is um, absolutely the way that the Florida Panthers want to play from the back end. Now, he did go 10 games without the points in the playoff and that's tough. But also, let's uh, there's a human side to it. You know, <clears throat> expecting a baby is supposed to be June 14th that, uh, you know, they were going to induce her. She ends up going to labor early. They probably were signs of that. Um, you know, he has to come back between game one and game two. And uh, look, it, it, there's a human side to everything and you can not want to make excuses, but it, not that it was hard on Montour. It's probably harder on his wife to have to deal with all of it, but there's still a mo- a point of that. Um, but yeah, I would take Florida the way they play, uh, the way they want to pace, uh, push the pace from the back end, the way that he's able to jump on the rush. Um, and I had a great conversation with a scout yesterday who actually scouted Brendan Montour when he was playing in junior B and mm-hmm. brought him up to the USHL. And he said, look, this guy is a go, 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 go all the time type of player. Mm-hmm. And then we did have a conversation also about, his, let's just say, situation with when Ralph Kruger was coaching here. And he did say, look, I had a conversation with Montour about why are you not jumping on the rush anymore? And he says, well, we're not allowed to activate the way that I like to, which, again, doesn't make any sense because you have a Dallin and you have a Montour. You let them activate as much as they want. Paul Maurice lets them activate as much as he wants. And he plays with fire a lot, but... He doesn't get burned a whole lot because he can go and skate and recover. Vegas ultimately gets burned. They lose a game that they could have won, could have had a 3-0 series lead. Uh, How rattled might they be from this one? Well, the reason why I think they may be rattled is because I felt that for 40 minutes, the Vegas Golden Knights were in control. The second period, they dominated. Dominated. They go into the third. And then, you know how we were saying about how Rochester kind of played on their heels in game five against Syracuse and maybe they had to learn or whatever. I feel like Vegas, even though they're the best athletes in the world, they're NHL players. They did that in the third period. But they, they had really, all those chances though, Marty. They just didn't They, they had some chances, but once they got in their defensive zone, mm-hmm. they literally just sat in the middle of the slot and did not put any pressure on the outside. They didn't get out of their zone clean like they were in the first 40 minutes. Now, when they got chances, it's because mm-hmm. Florida missed and handle a puck, missed a play, turn it over, whoop, Vegas is attacking. But yeah. they didn't put enough pressure in the defensive zone. I felt like they played on their heels in their defensive zone, came back in their shell a little bit. And although Florida didn't have, what, they have like six shots through 17 minutes. And then... They went boom, 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 boom. Shot, rebound, shot, rebound. And they did exactly what they needed to do. So um, officiating, should we talk about the officiating in that game a little bit? Is it low-hanging fruit? Well, I will probably disagree with you on it. So maybe it makes it worthy of debate. Um, I can understand why the call was made with 11 seconds left. Um, I wouldn't really want it against me. Obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't like a lot of the calls 
during the game. I thought the second Will carry a penalty for boarding was not a boarding infraction. No. I thought Braden McNabb did just about as much as humanly possible on the Duclair break. And when Duclair cut inside, he grabbed McNabb's stick. So anyway, um, and you know me, I tend to bristle at, uh, you know, when people look at a, a sheer number, like six power plays one side, five another, or X yeah. amount of power plays in the game and say, you know, what is this? Preseason hockey? Look, to me, if there's penalties there, call them. I don't care what day of the week and what month of the year. So if it's seven power plays aside in game three of a Stanley Cup final, that's fine. The players have to smarten up and not take penalties. But um, I don't know. It was just Here's a my little... problem with the, the refereeing last night is that there was 15 penalties called in the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not go back to watch every penalty and who made the call on every penalty. But halfway into the third period, okay, watching the game with a group of hockey people, and I'm looking over and I said, who's the second ref? Because it was all Dan O'Rourke. That's all it was. It was him that was calling every penalty. And I had to go to the game sheet and see who are the other two referees on, because there's always three referees listed at the beginning on the game sheet. And there's a rotation. So the other two guys were Wes McCauley and Kelly Sutherland. And I could kid you not, I could not tell you who the second referee was in the game. It was Kelly, wasn't it? It was Kelly. And then right away, I saw the play develop and I saw Kelly Sutherland. But it feels like the one referee was whistle happy and the other guy didn't want to call anything. And that's that's funny you say that because if you had just told me without knowing your little buildup, I would have thought. It was Sutherland that was the more demonstrative last night. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But so, I, again, see how it's so. it's funny how you, you you like watch a game. I maybe it's at that moment I was like, oh man, that's a terrible call. Who made the call? Dan O'Rourke yeah. or whatnot, right? And that maybe is where my head went to. But that was that was my impression of it all. Is that you know I want I want a consistent game by both referees. I don't want referees to outdo one another, and I don't want one referee to feel like they're taking the lead. But right. at some point, these guys go back to the room after the first and the second period and over time, and they are like talking about, hey, did you see that correctly? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't see it. Like, they have a gauge, right? They adjust. They evolve in the, in the game. I felt like it was one guy calling them, one guy kind of just letting it go. And so it become inconsistent in that way because mm-hmm. one doesn't want to step on the other's toes, and that's what it is. I was quite convinced there was no way Vegas was going to score on the power play in overtime. I just felt like the hockey gods were not going to punish the Panthers for that, you know, um, ill-fated call. But I will say this. There's one guy that could have changed that script. His name was Jack Eichel. Yeah. Jack had it pumped, right? Like it was, there was a minute five left in the power play. It came to him. Why with his shot he ever, and I get it. He's an elite, elite, elite passer, but they'd already bumped it around a bit. And it came to him. I don't think the Panthers were expecting it to come to him. And if he uses the release that we've seen from him repeatedly, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are up 3 nothing. I don't think he misses from there. But he I don't even know if he dusted it off. He just just hesitated and then yeah. moved it along. I was shocked because he's such a good shooter. But we're seeing just more Jack the passer yeah. right now. Because he's got he's on the ice with Barbashev and Marcia So and it's like right. I'm gonna facilitate yep. those guys. That pass to Marcia So on the power play, mm-hmm. like it was a not an NHL pass, it was a all-star 
pass. Like it's from behind the goal line over a couple of sticks, three guys in the lane, and it's right on Marshall's tape. It lands right on his tape for the release. Um, that was one heck of a pass. Um, so that that made it two one at the time, right? So that was uh that was definitely a big goal. And Johnny Consmite, you know, with that goal, uh, would have locked it up if Vegas would have won. I think if John Vegas Con. goes up, yep, John right. Con, yeah. I think if Vegas goes up three nothing, you're looking at that's in Marsha so is the consmite winner for sure. You know, just I and you didn't really pinata the low hanging fruit there um when it came <laughs> to the officials, but I and I tried to go back and look at it. And it, I mean it's moot, obviously, at this point after the Panthers had won, but and look, based on the nature of the penalty that was called with eleven seconds left. It probably was never going to happen that the Panthers would get penalized again to start overtime. Oh, yeah. But I thought Eric Stahl got away with a slash and maybe a hook, you know, as Vegas was barreling into the zone to set up late in their power play. So whatever. I went back and I'm like, well, I think Vegas even knew, like, what are we going to do? Complain about this? They're not going to call it, right? But it's on Mark Stone. Like, it's not like it didn't impact the play. Anyway, neither here nor there. It's Mark Stone did score, and he was really excited after the goal, which made me think of you, Duffer, because Mark Stone's goal celebration are great. And actually, in game two, I don't know if you saw that, but when he broke his stick and went to the bench and grabbed his stick, came across yes, the ice, got the puck, made the pass, and the goal got scored, Mark Stone curled towards the left when everybody's curling right to celebrate with the goal and he's got his hands in the air and he's yes celebrating like the pass that he made he's the best celebration guy even when he doesn't score what was the skinner moment this year where it was the, for the milestone goal and it was the elite pass and they put they put the sabers trainers put the tape on the puck elite oh pass. yeah yeah yeah, elite that? pass what, what was the goal oh my gosh i don't know i'd have to go look back and add it Anyway, yeah, we'll funny stuff. I love that. I love that for Mark. I love how he celebrates the game, and it's it's amazing. Anyway, we got now another week and a half to talk about the Cup because they're going to extend it all the way from a week Monday to Game 7. So let's talk free agency. So Saturday's Game 4, and then it's Tuesday, Game Tuesday, 7. Tuesday, Friday. Friday, Monday. Monday, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Blame we'll the here. NBA we'll on that one because the NBA needs their of two course. days off in between. So now they go like that for the rest of the finals. Okay. Trying to steal the spotlight from the Stanley Cup final. What do we make of these defenseman contracts as they pertain to the Sabres and their desire to add a top four defenseman? When you see, uh, I don't want to say arguably, I guess they are, Top four defensemen, one of whom goes from 4.1 to well over 6 million with his yep. raise on an eight-year deal. The other one more than doubled his salary on a two-year deal, Gavrikov in LA. How does this impact what's out there and the cost of doing business for Buffalo trying to add a top four defenseman, whether they do it now via trade and sign, whether they do it on July 1st when free agency opens, whether they do it as, you know, going after UFAs or whether they target because you're into this today and I love it when you're into this. Offer sheets, restricted free agency, realization that you could spend up to $4 million on a guy at an offer sheet and it only cost you, what, a second rounder? 
A second rounder up to 4.2 million, I think. And then between 4.2 and 6.4 is a first and a third. Think of a $6 million player. Would you not trade a first and a third? Damon Severson is now one of them. Well, no, yeah, I don't know that I'd trade a first and a third for Damon Severson, but at the same time, I mean, maybe it's the the the, the turn well, on the contract. That's an interesting statement in your own right. Like, I think if Severson was two years younger, yeah, but and if he didn't have an eight-year deal attached to it, yeah. But at the same time, if a team is flush with prospects and/or has been flush with prospects and picks, and they believe Severson's a guy, like a first and a third is nothing. nothing. Right in the big, if you're where you want to be kind of organizationally and you think he's like not the piece, but let's say one of the final four pieces, it still doesn't seem like a high cost to do business. No, and what, what's interesting about these uh, last couple of signings, Gavrikov with the LA Kings and obviously Damon Severson and gets traded to Columbus from Jersey is the approach, right? Gavrikov says, I want a two-year deal because I want to be able to hit it again when the cap goes up. And Severson says, no, I, I want the length. I want the eight-year deal right now. Mm-hmm. Gavrikov got probably, what, a half a million to a million dollar over what we thought maybe like he was going to be around five. I don't think f- I ever thought, I mean, uh, projectors may have had him there. I, I Maybe I didn't think about it enough, but I still, I would have thought five plus was always going to be high for him. So Okay, so but- like five plus was going to be high. So he got, let's say he got a million more than what he was going to get. And he got that on a short-term deal. But you're right. I also never envisioned him taking a two-year deal. Yeah, so exactly. good so, for him to take the money up front, right? Yeah, but I think on a shorter deal, those type of guys will make more money. On a six-year deal, he may have been around 4.8, 4.75. Like, sure. you know, you go six years and that's good. So that's fine. Gavrikov goes two years and then Severson goes the other way. So now it it almost puts in this, this complicated dilemma as to if you're going to approach a UFA, and you're the Sabres, are you going to throw more money short-term? Or are you going to say, hey, we got to start now looking at our cap numbers long-term because of the Dowling extension that mm-hmm. we haven't talked about it yet, but, you well, know. we did when I, the season ended, basically, yeah. because. I we knew we that felt, was going to happen, right? They were like, yes, okay, yeah. what is it going to be? It's going to be this much. It's going to be that long. Mm-hmm. We, it's going to be eight years. It's going to be close to 10 or around 10 million. And that's the way it is, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to be announced on July 1 because that's <laughs> yes. when it can be announced, right? right so, right. but you got to start now managing that, okay, well, Thompson, Cousins, Samuelson, Darlene, you know. Talk uh, Skinner. Got, Talk Skinner, you've got Quinn Paterka coming, you got power coming. You've got to start looking at, oh, okay. Like throwing money in term isn't like all, you know, gumball machine anymore. Like it's just, you got to, you know, you can't just put a quarter in and something comes out. Like you got to manage it now. So, um, how I often am, did you get the prize you wanted when you put the quarter in? Well, after oh, five man. bucks, after five bucks, after in, five bucks, in like <laughs> twenty tries, like you See, probably was got a, something that, good. That but... was your earliest version of cap mismanagement. Yeah, cap mismanagement was when you were plugging quarters into that machine. I love it. Oh well, maybe I was getting like a couple of quarters, and then I didn't like the first two, and I was selling them for fifty cents a piece. So I was getting more money back. For You're going so out shady. there and selling. Oh that was my, my uh, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. uh, mind back then, which I don't have. But anyway, um, so the Sabres are in a dilemma right now. It's looking at moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think they can overpay 
somebody on a two-year deal. Yes, Make them good right away. I agree. But you can't overpay somebody on a four- or five-year deal. So who's the guy you want to overpay short-term? A UFA available short-term? Matt Dumba. Well, I mean, in theory, you could do it to an RFA based on everything we're talking about, but... I don't really see... Oh, you know what? I have one name in the RFA market. One name that I think could be a target because of the team that he's on, and that would be Kalen Addison. Oh. Young guy would fit perfectly in the core of this group, and Minnesota is like going to be tight against the cap again this year because of their cap penalty. This year and next, yep. This year next on Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. They have mm-hmm. to sign Phil Gustafson. So one of those two may be a prime kind of uh, target for a, uh, an offer sheet at some point. And I think Kalen Addison could be that guy. Where is he a difference maker, though? Does he really help the top four? Fell out of favor a little bit at times this year. He was a rookie. Yeah. Um, you know, older rookie, right? Technically. He's 20. Oh, I just had him on my sheet right now. So, but I don't know if he changes the dynamic that much in your top four. I really, you know, I would be hesitant on that. He like is 23. Yeah. So he's not yeah. like a 20, 21 year old rookie. He's 23 right. years old. Um, That's the guy that I think would be a. If you're going to say overpay on a one year, maybe, or a little well, higher than you expect, I th- you could do it. I think, obviously, a lot of people, if we were pressing the way we just went with you, which is, who would you overpay on a short deal? I think a lot of people would instinctively say Matt Dumba. Yes. But I don't know if Matt Dumba would be really wanting to take a short deal at this point, no matter how much the overpay is. But it's a, it's a good one nonetheless, and you know now that Severson's gone, where my focus has been, not an obsession, uh, but yes. a focus, and it's Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves. But because of how we started this discussion, like, Severson goes from 4-1 to 6 and a quarter. Gavrikov more than doubles his salary mm-hmm. up to 5.7. Like, what's Graves going to get here? He's at 3.1. Is he now... Is he all of a sudden a five guy? Um, I think like, he's twenty eight years old. Right. So yes, Ryan but Graves Severson's is older. Say, so I don't even know how to play this. Like it's Ryan just, Graves is going to say, "Show me the money." Number right. one, I'm a UFA. Show me the money. Now, on a two year deal, I could see Ryan Graves being a five million guy. Say, yeah. hey, you know what? Two years, five million. You're twenty eight. You're going to hit again at thirty, right? But maybe. Well, exactly. Yeah. I'm selling. I'm the I'm the salesman. Oh, sorry. Ryan Graves. Yes, of course you're you gonna are. hit it again, big time at thirty. Don't worry about the next two years. Get a situation where you're gonna play. Two and rings. A, You'll be good. You'll be coming. Two rings. Exactly. You're gonna be playing with Owen Power, right? Like you're gonna have the stats to back it up. You're gonna be a seven and a half million dollar defenseman in two yeah. years from now. Like, go ahead, get your five million now. That's what I'm selling him on. Okay. I've missed this, even though it was only a day. That's how I like got 50 cents for the 25 cents uh, gumball machine prize. <laughs> I was a great salesman. Well, incredibly, we are uh, out of time for the D discussion because we're shifting oh. backwards to the goaltender position. It's your strength. It's your expertise. <laughs> and Shana has taken it to a whole new level with her latest article on The Athletic. Shana Goldman is next right here on Sabres Live. Thank you.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Stanley Cup Final is now 2-1 in favor of Vegas. After the Panthers' OT win last night, there have been signings across the league as it pertains to defensemen and big money being thrown around. And yet, our regular Friday guest, Shana Goldman, is focused on the goaltenders with one of her latest pieces on The Athletic. And I feel it was done intentionally just to stir up Marty Baron <laughs> because Shana... I think you're well aware of what Marty believes John Gibson's current value to be. So when you (laughs) list potential targets like Pittsburgh, Carolina, Jersey, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, and L.A., Marty, what do you have to say about that? Um, Well, (laughs) obviously, um, there's still some believer in John Gibson. And I was never one of them. So <laughs> go ahead, Shana. Make me a believer. You have the, the, the platform is yours. Make me somewhat of a believer. Okay. So this story, the funny enough, was supposed to go Tuesday. And some other things shuffled it around with how the series went. And it's so when I knew it was publishing today, I knew it was perfect just for you. And the <laughs> savers weren't even on my initial list. I was at first going to go Toronto. And as much as I tried to stress the math of getting rid of a core four player, I just couldn't justify it. So I put Buffalo back in there because we know they might have interest in Hellenbuck. So why not look at every goalie that's available on the market? It sounds like there's going to be a few. With John Gibson, the thing that strikes me is his ability to manage chaos. And I know that's tough to say because he hasn't done a great job of it the last four years, but we're talking about a historically bad Ducks team that allows... 39 shots on goal against per game on average, which is the worst since that's been recorded. You know, the expected goal rate against is the worst since that's been recorded. Their goals against, which is on him as well as defense, is the worst. It's everything, you know, just added up. And the fact that he was only slightly below average, I think is saying something this year. It has been four straight bad years now with three really good years before that. So it's two different players, essentially, we're talking about. We can't just say he's the player of three, you know, three or four years ago. But we can see how his play has deteriorated on this Ducks team. And I give him credit because so many seasons we see him playing well until he hits that wall. It's just that they break him. It's too much. It's too much for any goalie to deal with. So I don't think he's the elite John Gibson that we thought he was in his prime. But I think that he still has it in him with the right team, with the right support, and just not whatever has been in front of him the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I will give you that the Ducks have been awful. And they have made life physically and mentally hard on John Gibson. But I am worried 
number one, about his health, because he's always been the guy that gets banged up. He's as stiff as a surfboard in that. I mean, his body does not bend. Like, it's toe up, like heel save, glove save. Like, his body just doesn't bend. And I think it's hard for this new age of goaltenders to be stiff as a board and be like John Gibson. But I also feel like there's been a pattern now, a pattern of good start, bad finish, good start, bad finish that now I'm starting to worry. Is it Anaheim or is it John Gibson? Because Uh at that time it now becomes of your DNA, right? When you go over these patterns over and over again, and that's the worst kind of pattern, good start, bad finish. You know what happens at the end of the season, a playoff chase, the playoffs. And I'm like, Oh, that's not the guy I would rely on in March and April. Uh, But I know that's just me. I, you could go to a, Toronto, a, put him back on the list for Toronto. Go, go to Toronto. It'll be great for us. It'll yeah, be great right? for us in Buffalo. Right. When the, when the pressure rises of Toronto, they need that late season goalie that I feel like they can't pick him for that reason. But then I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because what if people start feeling the same way about Carter Hart, who, you know, some have very high projections for, some don't. He's a goalie that we saw last year have a fantastic start. And you had to know at a certain point his play was going to stop and it was going to have to be the Flyers' defense either helping him or everybody sinking together. And that's exactly what happened because you can't – not every goalie can be that equalizer that much when you're behind that bed of a team. Like, there's yeah. few goalies who can manage that kind of workload for an extended period of time. Like, Henrik Lundqvist is one of the rare ones who managed the Rangers' defense no matter how terrible they were. But that's the elite generational tier, and neither of these goalies are near that. But Gibson costs so much, and you've already painted his last four years. Are there any examples that you have of somebody rebounding after four poor years like this? I'm going to guess no with this kind of money still attached, right, contractually. Yeah, because nobody trades goalies because no one understands position. And that's what makes this so hard. Because we're just why they have bad signings yeah. to begin with. <laughs> exactly. We're throwing it out there like, well, there could be a John Gibson trade. We don't know what it would look like. We don't know what it looks like to trade a, uh, a star, you know, someone who might be a starting caliber goalie. We don't know what an elite goaltender on the move even looks like in recent history, unless it's a free agency, you know, signing. We don't see this often. So it's going to be interesting. I can't see Gibson being the first domino to fall. I feel like it has to be a Helen Buck or a Hart. It sounds like it's going to be, and that probably will set the price. I, I think the Ducks are going to have a hard time getting what they want for Gibson, but he's the piece it feels like they have to move. So it's going to be interesting to see how that leverage plays out and if it leads to movement at all. And how does salary retention get worked into it? Because it has to, but then you're committing one space for the next four years of your salary retention slots. Like, it's such a complicated one. I feel like they're never going to get what they're asking for. But who knows? If someone overpays for another goalie, maybe it shakes things up. Just so you know. So I have a list of like tradable goaltenders or, you know, names Me that too. maybe, have, you know, Duffer is the same. <laughs> you know, you see Saros is on that 22 guys list. on it right now. How about you? 22 goalies? Yeah. Tradable That's goalies? That's a lot. Starts yeah, know, a lot. Like I've got... Goalies. I got six and I'm just like six or seven, but the, like UC Soros will be on the list. For example, Connor Hellebuck's on, on the list. Yep. I have Jake Allen on the list because I'm thinking like Montreal could go Montembo and Primo and maybe yep. Jake Allen's a guy. Um, I have Markstrom or Vladar. One of the Calgary goalies going to have to go because they got to make room for uh, Dustin Wolf to come in and, and start his NHL career. Well, they don't but have really, to. Huh? They don't have to. They, they don't have to, but they but could. really, like, so at the bottom of that list, I have two names. I have Elvis Merzlikens, and Ooh. then I have John Gibson. 
So Gibson's six four for four more years. Merzlikens is five point four for four more years. There's a million difference. Would you trade them? Opposite. You're Anaheim. Would you go straight up for Merzlikens? Merzlikens is younger, so you get that. I mean, like if you're Anaheim, why not? Right? It it just depends. Like, is it a one for one? Are you adding to the deal? Like, that's the big question. Marty thinks Elvis needs a change of scenery. Okay, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Tina. And I think Gibson obviously could benefit from that too. Gibson is 29. Elvis Merzlikens is also 29. We I have he was like pers- 26 or 27. Yeah, it, that's the thing. Like, our, because, our, like because he's not been around as long, but he's also 29 years old. Hmm. Well, he'd be now. playing behind an elite defense now in Columbus. So very, I know, very I, know, I know Shana wants to. <laughs> Shana, <laughs> I know before the Severson deal went down, you dubbed them the bad jackets. I get it. But now, if healthy, Lorensky Severson, Provorov, Yurichek, Bokovist, Goodbranson. I realize there's two guys in there you don't like, but <laughs> then you have first rounders in Matejcik and Kuhlmans also coming in. So you got three essentially with Yurichek making the jump, and then you have some tradable assets that you can move off of. I think they're assets in Peak and Bean. So I don't know. I think. I think the numbers are a little tricky with Columbus on some of those guys, but are they a lot better on defense today than they were a couple of days ago? Yes, I believe they are. So. The bar is so low, though. Like, yes, <laughs> well, they're they got to stay healthy. I think people are forgetting, you know. That they were the Columbus Broken Jackets. It's amazing. Yeah, they, but, I mean, Zach Wierenski should be a lot. Zach Wierenski is a, a really I'm a good Wierenski defenseman. Fan. I'm, yeah, I'm a fan Like, me of too. So, I, I think if you have any ounce of stability around him, you know, they should be a little better. but. It's yes. interesting, nonetheless. So I do no, I agree with you. I okay, I have a couple like worries though, and it's how many minutes is Gabranson gonna play? And if someone like Severson or Wierenski slips, is Gabranson gonna slide up the depth chart? That is a problem waiting to happen. You're right. betting on Proveroff bouncing back, and there are reasons to, to believe he can in a lesser role. To forget the off ice stuff for a second, focus on solely on the you know, on ice. It's a three-year decline. Do I think he might have it in him to bounce back in a lesser role with a good puck mover alongside him? Possibly. And Severson, as your top pair defenseman, I think at this point, we saw he was best when his workload got reduced. He is someone that can play in all situations and absorb a ton of minutes. I think you want top four versus top pair for him, ideally. Mm -hmm. The thing for me is, how do we know, you know, Mike Babcock likes to lean on that defensive defenseman. That's what Provorov is. That could be his Roman Polak or his Ron Hainsey that he had in Toronto. He's had that, you know, everywhere he's gone. But I would just worry... Does he really give the kids a shot? Does he really develop them? Or does he just lean on veterans? It just feels like if you're betting on being good, it's so much money. It's what, 14, 5 million, I think, in cap space between Provorov, Gabranson, and Severson right now. And I keep yeah. looking at their their roster going, where are you finding the money for a center? You need that. You already had to get rid wow. of Bjorkstrand because you got Gabranson, which was a huge mistake. Now, like, where is the money to get a center? The banking obviously is on the kids who have already had a taste of the NHL and the Kent Johnsons and and Cole obviously Sillinger. the uh, the Cole Sillinger had a real regression year, so to speak, just a tough year. Um, but they do have Mar- you know, not that he's a center, but you know, Kirill <laughs> Marchenkov. I mean, he yeah. scored at a thirty goal pace, so they might not be as devoid offensively up front as some people think. So anyway. Um, it uh, well, I do have a question um, because you, you know, painted such a 
good picture of John Gibson and it's, you know, the Sabres need maybe for a guy that embraces chaos like this. Um, should the approach then for the Sabres be, well, let's work on the chaos that's happening in front of our, yeah. you know, netminder and, you know, a top four defenseman to go along with Darlene Samuelson power. Um, Duffer and I were putting some names together, right? And there's guys that are UFAs, there's RFAs that could be maybe prime for a offer sheet. There's trade targets. What would be the best way for the Sabres to go about this? Is is the the D market better for uh, trades or for UFAs? Where do you see it? Um, so I agree with you though. Like if the Sabres are going to make a move, I think that they can focus a lot in front of the crease. And if they can like strengthen their defense and just get better at sustaining offensive pressure, it's less work for your goalie. And that's going to be a good thing for everyone instead of spending for a goalie that you might worry blocks Levi's path, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's where you have your trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe for the Sabres, I really do like the idea of them getting a top four defenseman and really rounding out that group. I wonder if an offer sheet maybe is their best bet because that's someone who would be young and in the age range of these players. And you have someone who would then be good now and in the future, because you can't just, the UFA market's so tricky because if you're going to bring in a UFA defenseman, you're already getting them at the later end of their prime in most instances. And you can bet on a player being good into their thirties. Absolutely. It's not like once you're 30, you're dead, but the chances of someone who's available on the UFA market because elite talent doesn't get there, it's such a lo- lesser chance of them sustaining that good play those later years. That decline might be yeah. steeper or it just gets to a lower level versus that elite talent who, when they decline, they're below average for them is above average than still the average defenseman. So mm-hmm. I just feel like they should be targeting higher end talents and starting big. They have the assets. They have the picks. They have the cap space. They have the opportunity to just go big at this point. And it feels like, why not go for a good defenseman? Like, and it doesn't have to be top ca- pair caliber. It's that right. number four kind of player. Like, why not? Will Borgen, hi. Um, uh, as Duffer, far what as... was the what? What did we put on a T-shirt for Shayna last week? Be angry at everything. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Is it something like that? This uh, week's Shayna T-shirt is brought to you by. When you're 30, you're not dead. Not dead. <laughs> All I can think of is the 30 under 30. I have to tell myself crowd. that. I'm telling myself yeah. that. I just turned 30 yeah. and I have to keep reminding myself I'm not dead. So, Hey, okay. really quick, because you did discuss this in incredible detail months ago with us. Have you heard anything more on Vince Dunn and what his likely number is going to be in Seattle and what the ripple effect might be there with their defense core, which does have some RFAs, some UFAs, but they've also got a good kid in his first-year pro, and Riker Evans, who's been really tearing it up in the AHL this year, including now in the Calder Cup final. It's such a tough call for them because it's so – we haven't heard much, and it's so out of character for Ron Francis to go for that big swing and spend a ton on a defenseman, but it feels like they're building something with that slow and patient approach that you don't want to have to start again from square one to find that top-pair caliber defenseman. So it just feels like – they'll regress if they do anything besides keep Vince done. And it feels like they have the salary cap flexibility to spend on him. I still don't see it being some huge contract. And maybe it helps them in a sense that someone like Severson, who's been in a top pair role and now is signed to be a top pair guy, got that $6.25 million cap hit. Yes, he got the term to balance out the fact that it didn't go higher, but that is like right on target for what you want for a top pair defenseman, not an elite guy, not a number one, just a top pair caliber defenseman. So I think for Vince Dunn, no, he doesn't have the history behind him, but maybe it, pushes his number a little bit higher, but still yeah. in a reasonable range because someone like Severson didn't get overpaid in that eight, $9 million range, which then sets you out of pocket for done. 
Yeah, I would have to think seven minimum for Dunn based on the year that he had. But again, fascinating just how Seattle's been constructed and the fact that after a wonderful year for their NHL franchise, their AHL team is poised to perhaps take the Calder Cup as well. Shana, thank you. We'll work on the t-shirts. You're not dead (laughs) at 30 and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It is Shana Goldman from The Athletic. We're back to wrap Sabres Live after this. Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. What you got? A birthday for Matt Vince, the Bandits netminder, and one of the greatest to ever play the position. Happy birthday, Vino. This will all tie in nicely with the ongoing celebration of the Bandits' fifth championship, which will be celebrated to the nth degree on Thursday in Alumni Plaza, all part of Bandits Night lacrosse night at the bisons game it's going to be a fun walk up from the plaza to the park oh it's going to be awesome be there or be square and uh for matt vince um listen part of the goalie union doesn't matter if you're a lacrosse goalie a hockey goalie a soccer goalie you are part of the goalie union so happy birthday quickly duffer yesterday mm-hmm. wished robbery birthday wishes at the end of the show so Ask- you forgot pat Coletta. It was Pat Coletta's birthday yesterday. Sorry, yes. Pat Coletta. But the best part of it was we asked people, what is Razor doing to celebrate his birthday? Wrong answers only. The response on Twitter, a lot of hot dogs were mentioned in that those responses. So I and hope how is Razor... That a wrong answer? Because I don't know that Razor eats a lot of hot dogs, but oh. it was very funny. And a lot of Tai Domi fighting, which definitely is not happening anymore. Some what? says... Uh, Oh, exfoliating his knuckles. That was funny, too. <laughs> the late, great Ted Darling was born on this day as well. Yes. And um, we have been so blessed with the great voices in Sabres history. Yeah, I caught uh, a lot of that Razor stuff on on Twitter. It was actually pretty, pretty comical. But, of course, you realize that the poll question from the day before was still wrapped in alive and well, right? When it came to goaltending, like people are on this goalie train right now. And holy cow. I was so you're getting hot dogs and then you're getting Hellebuck and you're like, wait, Hellebuck's not a hot dog. So it's like, oh it doesn't gosh. mix. I don't know. I, I really think there is, it is insane how many goaltenders could move this off season, but it's the hottest the, thing, the, the question is, will it actually make a difference? That's the crazy part. You know, I can see a lot of musical chairs here. I just don't know what the impact is going to be. Well, I mean, if, Kemper moved from Colorado and all of that. Like, there's yeah. going to be movement. You're right. The impact is going to be what it is. Is today Friday, by the way? No, Thursday. See you tomorrow. Really? All right. See you tomorrow. I think it's... I think it's- We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.